This is ASI, episode 147, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, or ASI, 247.org is the website. Welcome. That is Pumped Up Kicks by Foster the People. It's one of those earworm kind of songs, right? In the radio business, they call that an earworm, you know? One of those songs that gets stuck in your head that you end up singing all day. And if it's a really bad earworm for me, like I have a hard time sleeping. Like I'll get a song in my head and I'll be like laying there in bed going... Yes, you know, it's one of those songs. It's a, it's an earworm, right? I know. You're welcome. <laughs> so throw that in your brain there. Uh, I know that's kind of a, a wild song there. My name is Russ Shaw. You have downloaded the show, and now you are experiencing guilt-free instant gratification. So, again... You're welcome. These are the services I provide for you. Guilt-free, instant gratification from your host, Russ Shaw, and the ASI Podcast. I have a new recording device today that I'm recording the show on. It has noise-canceling technology, which is cool. I'm actually driving right now. I don't know if you can tell. Uh, It's funny how it's hard to hear the road noise, the kind of rumble of the road noise that you probably heard on the last podcast that was done on my my phone, my Android phone. Uh, with this with this device, it's supposed to cancel that out. But it's funny how you can still kind of hear the rain. Like it, when it rains, it rain beating against the windshield, you can still kind of hear that in the background, which is kind of cool, right? Uh, I'm giving you some Seattle rain. It's one of the things we're famous for here. Rain. Anyhow, uh, I want to... Listen, man, my heart is full of gratitude to folks who have donated to the show. That's really what made this possible for me to buy this device. Bought it at at Fry's Electronics because they they price match Amazon, which is really cool. Uh, I love that because I'm too ADD for waiting around for stuff to come in the mail. Right. Um, anyway, not just that, but listen, the last show I did on my Android phone, I have like an MP3 recorder on my phone. Um, it sounds it sounds horrible. Not only that, but I have to email every single sound file to myself, and then I have to re-download that. So it took many hours to do that last podcast. I mean, it way time, right? Time is a precious commodity, and. Again, man, I thank you guys for donating. It's just our life energy, the money that we have. It's part of us pouring out, right? It's part of our heart condition. You want to see a good, right? And this is convicting for me, man. You want to see uh, the condition of your heart, you usually open up your checkbook, look in there. You see the condition of your heart on a lot of issues, the stuff that comes pouring out financially. So, Again, thank you so much to the folks that donate, man. You pay the bills. You keep this thing on the on the internet. If it wasn't for you, this show wouldn't exist, and that's true. Um, if you understand 
these metaphors in the Bible that talk about sowing and reaping and having your hands to the plow and harvest. So if you believe in delayed sanctification, right? If you believe in this organic growth, like the book of Revelation says, talking about how Jesus is the son, right? The S-U-N son. In that time where Jesus will be and is the light that nourishes and cultivates heart level growth that 10,000 years from now, you know, even the this goofy things that I talk about on this show will have an impact, right? Those of you who donate are a part of that and that is absolute truth because without you, this thing wouldn't exist. I mean, seriously, I am blown away that a jacked up soul like me would actually make an impact on people's hearts and I am overwhelmed with gratitude and listen, how do you know if you're an ASI plantation worker, you ask? Well, if this song here, this bumper I'm going to play here makes sense to you at this time or at any other time in your life, you qualify. Here you go. This is lit. It's no surprise to me. I am my own worst enemy. Because every now and then I kick the living out of me. The smoke alarm is going off and there's a website asi247.org you click on the uh the it's through paypal you know donate button if you don't want to send stuff over the internet i get that you can send it through a p.o box that's cool too but again i thank you and moving on to new topic here we go foster the people pumped up kicks it's a pretty violent song but it has everything to do with what i want to talk about today talking about conformity and the inner life, right? The inner life. You know, one layer below. I was talking to a friend of mine after church and we and he's a community group leader and I was talking about, you know, getting getting down below the surface in in conversations and stuff like that. And he said what if it's just your personality, Russ? What if it's just, that's just kind of who you are? It's, you know, what comes flowing out of you is you're just honest and you're gonna, you know, boom, lay it out there. And that's just you, that's your personality. That's cool about you, Russ, but you know, not everybody's like that. And it had me thinking about um, the fact that maybe, right, maybe some people really don't get that. The fact that there is an inner life behind our eyes that most people don't see unless we let them see it. Okay, that is true. There's a lot of people that come into like a community group or a Bible study for a church thing, right? And a lot of folks are just kind of, I mean, a fake, right? I mean, a lot of, that's one of the biggest things I had a problem with with most Christians is they're just kind of smiley and hey, how you doing? And everything's just kind of surfacey. And even when we're doing a Bible study, it has to do with, 
you know, what's out there, you know, pointing at somebody else or the culture or even that song I just played and how evil it is, people don't really want to get into talking about the inner life. And I used to be that guy, right? I used to be a very kind of shallow, surfacey, superficial person with a passion, you know? If you brought up something deep or, you know, something like that, I'd try and make it funny or light or try and, you know, lift the room up a little bit, maybe with a little bit of comedy. So I was diverting from the heaviness of somebody sharing something deep in that kind of a situation. Because a community group or a Bible study isn't the same thing as a recovery group. And I've talked to a lot of folks and I know like addicts who feel like that's the only people they can share with is, is other addicts. You know, I only trust other addicts. Okay, well what you're doing is you're going to, into a group of a bunch of really unhealthy people. Some of them have more uh, success and recovery than others, but right, if you think that they're the only people you can share your inner life with, um, I, I think you're mistaken. I mean, I've had a lot of emails over the years with people who agree with me about the 12-step programs and, you know, and I'm not anti-12-step. I think it's great that people can get in a group and be anonymous and talk about their inner life, you know, talk about their secrets, the things they struggle with. But is that the be-all, end-all of human communication and letting people behind the counter in your life? And I wanted to go into that as well, but let me finish my my point with talking with my friend about is this just my personality or am I actually uncovering something when I talk about these three different layers of a person's identity. Um, again, I was not the guy that would share deep personal information in any kind of a social situation. All right, I was the kind of guy who kept everything to myself, let it, you know, fester in the dark, so to speak. But in social situations, I, I wasn't Mr. Uh, open, <laughs> to say the least. It took me a while to get to this place where I can trust people enough to just lay it out there. Even people I don't know that much. And part of it has to do with me growing to a point where if somebody says something about you know me sharing something deep, it doesn't crush me, right? I, I can look at people and understand that where they're at as far as their life is at, their their worldview, for example, and, and how they're processing what I'm saying. So fear, uh, a big chunk of fear has been removed for me to be able to, to be that way. But no, I didn't used to be always the guy sharing, you know, things about my inner life. The inner life, by the way, is something that I'm, I'm quoting. Uh, Timothy Keller talks about that. And really it goes to the Bible and stuff that Jesus said about, you know, the, the outside of the cup and the inside of the cup. The more I read the Bible, the more I, I read the Gospels and even what's called the fifth Gospel, the, the book of Isaiah, which is so on point with predicting the coming Messiah, the coming Jesus Christ. When you hear, you'll hear things at Christmas time coming up, you'll hear people say quotes from Isaiah, who is predicting the, the coming Messiah, right? And even Isaiah, uh, 
John, Luke, Mark, all of these these books talking about the life of Jesus, you, you, you hear the religious people are more often than not the villains of the story. Because, and a big reason is because they're not talking about their inner life and what is going on in their inner life is really bitterness, um, hatred towards their fellow man because they're not as good a people on the outside as the religious Pharisees. And listen, the Pharisees were very good people, right, on the, on the outside. They memorized whole books of the Bible. They tithed out of their mint rack, all right? They didn't just give 10% of their income. Every time they did, you know, something, they would, boom, they'd give 10%. I mean, and they cooked food and they throw out 10% because that belongs to God, you know, the, the out of their spice rack. I mean, these guys were varsity at keeping the law. I wonder if that has anything to, like, uh, Heavy D just died recently. And, you know, I was kind of touched by that. And you hear people like, you know, I was tempted to go buy like a 40-ouncer and drink it and pour a little out for Heavy D, right? I don't know what that means, but anyway. Just thought I'd throw that in there. But you get what I'm saying, right? I mean, these guys were varsity good. But because of their inner life, they were the villains of a lot of the story. And Jesus did go to them. Jesus did have meals with them. Jesus did implore them to take a look at their self behind their own eyes and see what it actually they were motivated by, right? See what their pumped up kicks were when it came to trying to trap Jesus. They even bring a sick guy in, in one part of the gospel uh, that's recorded in Luke, they bring a sick guy in to try and trap Jesus into healing him on the Sabbath so that they can have more, you know, bitter energy towards convicting Jesus. Uh, and they use a sick guy. I mean, these guys are twisted. You want to talk about pumped up kicks. Here's. Here's a cover of that song. I can play this whole song because it's a cover, and I'm going to put it on my website. Again, if you want to download any of the music from the show, you go to the website, ASI247.org. You click on the Music tab, and uh, you can download all of the, the songs I played, the Ten Commandments series. They're all up there to, to, to be downloaded off iTunes, stuff like that. And I'll have the video of this song that I'm about to play. It's a cover of Pumped Up Kicks. And it's, it's very powerful. The video is very powerful, too. But you actually get to hear the words of that song. And, and I just want you to understand something about conformity. So, uh, here you go. Bye. 
that is Justin Chase and Danny Shea covering Pumped Up Picks by Foster the People. Um, that, again, check out the video. You can go to my website, check it out there. You click on the music tab. Scroll down to episode 147. You'll see the video. It's a powerful video. Uh, the, the part that she sings, Danny Shea sings, that's her stuff, right? That's her lyrics. That isn't in the original song. So she added that, improv that, so to speak. I don't know. But it's a great touch to the tune. And uh, Danny Shea's re- great story. Um, if you get a chance to check out her YouTube page, <laughs> she has a, a crazy, uh, wonderful story. Talk about someone with integrity. Talk about someone who's not going to conform, all right? She looks like Justin Bieber. She had Justin Bieber's look before he had it. And she's like, you know what? I'm not going to change just because of this kind of Justin Bieber, this cookie-cutter thing. And in in, in her face, she kind of looks like him, too. So, But she talks about that in her story on the website, which is really interesting. Um, Speaking of Justin Bieber. Anyway, Danny Shea. She's an original check her out also wanted to plug their website bemoreheroic.com is the name of the website and it's really you know a way to be more uh, influential in social situations especially kids in high school you know younger people in college what preemptive strikes can you make what kind of things can you say to people to get them to you know wake up a little bit to to open their eyes, open their ears. Um, Marilyn Manson was asked after the Columbine shooting, uh, and save your email, all right? I don't agree with everything Marilyn Manson says, but on this point, I do. And he had a great point. He was interviewed because people want to blame Marilyn Manson for kids like this that do horrible things like this. And they said, what would you say to these kids if you could say something to them before, you know, this whole Columbine thing happened? And Marilyn Manson said something brilliant. He said, I wouldn't sit there and tell them stuff, right? I wouldn't tell them anything, but I would encourage them to speak and I would listen. That's what he said. I would listen to them. That's the, that's the problem. People aren't listening. People aren't a safe place to open their hearts to a lot of them. And and I'm not, you know what, I'm not saying that what they do is okay. I mean, that is horrific. That is evil that comes pouring out of them in those situations. Where does it come from? And how do we take on this, our own inner demons, right? Our own under-the-surface queen ants of of attitude and, and belief know I mean that's really what I want to get into today I mean that that song that pumped up kicks is a is a kind of conformity that comes from a group of people has a certain worldview on another person a bullying kind of a worldview on another person And, and it's not okay I don't care who you are so breaking the habit of pumped up kicks right Breaking that gravity around that kind of spiritual, social energy is really being grounded and rooted in something deeper than just 
pumped up kicks, right? In something deeper than mob rules. Thinking for yourself in the midst of others, okay? Even having the courage to get outside of your comfort zone and not just be around the same wild-eyed kind of people that you're always around. I mean, whether they're wild-eyed, tame-eyed, closed-eyed, right? The normal, comfortable, social pressure, you know? There's pressure to stay comfortable in social situations, to break out of that, to bust out of that, and to be able to have a deeper foundation where you know you're rooted and grounded in something where you're not just going to be blown away by every other wind of doctrine, as the Bible would say, right? Paraphrasing. And I just pray that compassionately we can learn to know people and love people by hopefully letting them open their hearts enough to let us behind the counter and being a safe enough person that they would let them behind the counter. And let me let me go into this metaphor. I've talked about this on the uh, YouTube channel and the coaching sessions, but I'll uh, I'll elaborate on it some more here. I've shared this before on some past shows, but I'm gonna I'm gonna share it again for the purpose of this show, which is on the topic of conformity, because it, it's very important to realize that there are different levels. All right, that's not just a personality thing. That's just not my opinion. The world really is. People really are layered. The, the metaphor goes like this. If you have a store, right? They come into the store and they stay that side of the counter. That's most people, all right? But there's those few people, and, and for an individual, there's those precious few people that we let behind the counter of our lives. And they know our secrets. They know our stuff. They know what we struggle with. They know where we want to be, right? They know our goals, our dreams, our, our, our pains, our hurts. A lot of people don't even have anyone like that. Um, I didn't for most of my, my life. Up until recovery, to be honest with you, I was an outside-the-counter person. Everyone stayed outside the counter. And, and life is like that. We need people that we can let behind the counter. You don't just let everyone behind the counter. I used to think that. I first got in recovery and I was offensive. I mean, I would just spill out everything that was going on. And there is some good in that, but it can be too much in some situations. Is being in recovery groups, everything is so real. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous is kind of built on that ideology. You're anonymous. You come into a group and you start sharing things you don't share with most people. Some people have never even told their secrets out in the open in front of anyone. You know, heart wounds, stuff like that. Things that they've done. Um, Being honest about who they really are, about the sins that they've committed, about the joys that they feel, the, the places they find happiness, how they define love, how they define freedom. You know, most people don't get to that level in a group of friends. So we have to be discerning and we have to be honest and we have to learn and grow and have relationships with people. And that means that's going to take some work, right? 
is taking a breaking our immune neglect and actually building relationships and being friends with people. It's another cool metaphor where, you know, you talk about building friendships. It's work, man. It really does take work. It's like having a pet or, or a plant, you know, like having a farm. There's this game on Facebook called Farmsville, and people play it. People invite me to play it. I just, I don't have time. I have no time for this. But anyway, you have crops, and you plow your fields, and you take care of your your, your stuff, right? If you have house plants in your house, you have to water them. If you have pets, you have to feed them. You have to pick up their poop, right? Clean out the cat box if you have a cat. A relationship is like that. It takes work. It's going to be uncomfortable and inconvenient at times. But it's important that we build those friendships and those relationships. And we start to learn how to grow and, and this is this is critically important. Yes, be in a recovery group. Get in a 12-step group. If you need to because you need if you're addicted, if you're stuck, if you're in a compulsive sexual habitual pattern, man, you need somebody behind the counter of your life now, all right? Yesterday you do. And 12-step groups are a great place for that. But again, I don't think you should stay there and I think you should be discerning about the people leading the group. I mean, this whole higher power thing is, is demonic in some cases. There is a God. He does love you. He created the universe. He created you. He, has, he knows the hairs on your head. He knows you that intimately. He came to earth as a man 2,011 years ago. His name is Jesus Christ, all right? I love you guys. That's just true. It's not my opinion. It's not religion, it's historical fact. I know that's offensive for some of you, but man, again, where do you put your faith in? You can't prove it didn't happen, I can't prove it did, but I do put faith in it. And it's not all 100% blind faith, all right? I've actually scrutinized this stuff. But again, we're, we're all conformed to a certain degree. We all conform. We all do. It, it just shows that, listen, if we're not anchored and rooted and grounded in something deeper than just, you know, the stuff that we're bombarded with, the, the entertainment, the music, the art, right? It, it, God is the master storyteller, all right? I mean, watching a film can be worship to God, but if you don't have a grounded, rooting, uh, rooted understanding of who Jesus is, who God is, who the creator of the universe is, then what happens is doctrine is influenced by things like music and film and art, right? I mean, that was the conclusion back in the 80s when all these rock bands were pulled into court for, you know, satanic or violent lyrics. I think it was Ozzy that said, you know, we should go after this William Shakespeare guy right away for writing Romeo and Juliet. You know, I mean, this is, this is art. See, and then there is a thing called 
right and wrong as well. Like, you know, the whole movie thing, right? The, the guy who's inspired by movies or part of his life doctrine has been influenced by film. Uh, you know, I heard a guy in it <laughs> talking about this, it, it, saying something like that. Like, I heard this line in this film, made so much sense to me. And I don't tell a lot of people this because uh, it's kind of embarrassing. Well, you know, maybe that's true, but also the reason why is because people would go, what? Like, is that is that healthy, that line from that film being part of your, um, right, the, the inception that fuels your life, kind of a inspiration? To, I mean, uh, come on, dude. I mean, how deeply are you grounded, right? I mean, if you're... If you're a building or a house or something like that, you have to ask yourself, how, how deeply are you rooted? What does this have to do with sexual addiction or sexual integrity or sexual ethics, Russ? It has this to do with it. And our own definition of pumped up kicks behind our eyes with our own immune neglect because we don't have a lot of friends and we stay alone, right? those pumped up kicks become, I'm gonna get even with you. Because I felt like that, and this is a disgusting, um, I'm gonna open up my heart for you. I sat in the backyard, and I just, you know, fighting this thing with everything I had as a sexual addict, and just, man, I'm, I'm laying in my backyard, and the sun is out, and this song comes on, the playlist of, of the songs that I had. And the Holy Spirit of God used this song to totally blow me up. Again, I ain't dead yet, right? I had that attitude. You know, every horrible thing you say to me is coming back at you, this passive aggressive type of, of attitude that I had. I wasn't talking about stuff. I wasn't talking about wounds or hurts or, or how I was processing just being in conflict. I would just swallow it inside and I would sit there and stew in this kind of just bitter mindset. And listen, that kind of bitter anger is like jet fuel for the sex addict. It's like high octane. My pumped up kicks of bitterness and internal rage had me acting out sexually. And that day, hearing that song, I saw into my own heart and I thought, oh my God, is that, that's me. 
I'm doing that. It blew me up inside, man. I was heartbroken. And I still fight it, man. I still fight my own defensiveness and my own, that bitter voice in my head that wants to, yeah, you say that to me, you know. I mean, just not being in conflict. And then instead of being in conflict, internally going off with my little internal defense attorney telling me how I should get what I deserve and I need this and I should get love like that. Man, another sinful human being makes a horrible God. Can I tell you that? Your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, they're going to make a horrible God. If you put them at that point of where they're supposed to bring you joy, make you the happy, right, individual, that person's supposed to make me happy. No, that's not their job. You're supposed to love them behind your eyes. Sinful, jacked up human being, right? Just like Jesus loved you. Died on the cross for you. I'm so sick of hearing Christians getting divorced and the horrible, spiteful things they say about their spouse. I'm like, do you, did you read the Gospels? Do you understand what the cross is a picture of? Do you, you know, it's, it's love. It's God pouring out his love for us. The book of Hosea. Man, read that book. Hosea marries a whore. All right? It's, it's an image. It's a picture of us and our relationship with, with Christ, with God, what Jesus did because he loves us. That kind of love will change your heart, man. It will change it from the inside out. Or you can continue to stew and swelter and boil in bitterness. It's a horrible way to live, man. It's a hoarding, hoarding way to live. And soon enough, your house will be filled with maggots and flies. And you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm getting over metaphorical here, all right? But I pray you understand that the pumped up kicks of bitterness are like cancer for your soul. And it takes a family. It takes a people. It takes loving, trusting community, right, to help us anchor ourselves in something deeper that's actually real and not just superficial religion. Okay, that's worship in community. So at our church, we have what's called community groups. Um, it's more than, you know, church is not just a building, all right? It's not the Kiwanis Club, you know? It's not you joining some, you know, club or building that you go to on Sunday and you stare at the back of someone's head and you listen to a guy do a speech or sermon, right? It, it, it's deeper than that. It's doing life with other people. So, I mean, we're a mega church. What's called a mega church is more, like, more than 10,000 people. Mars Hill Church is starting to be spread over different states. It's moved outside of Seattle. So, in a mega church, it's easy to get lost in the crowd, right? Um, our church in Everett, we started a campus of Mars Hill in Everett, and there's 800 people on its first day. So, again, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle when you're part of a church that size. But what's cool about our church and many other churches today is these things called community groups where people get together and do life together, right? We'll share a meal. I go on Monday. My friend John, Derek, um, a bunch of these guys, we 
hang out and we talk and we talk about the sermon on Sunday and we talk about how you know it's impacting our lives. We talk about our praises and, and struggles and what we need prayer for and thanking God and, and being in good that are happening, right? This is doing life with other people on a deeper level than just, hey, how you doing, right? And then this is, this is community. This is real life community. So we have community group. That's what a community group is. And I've heard so many Christians over the years say, well, you know, the music comes up, Russ, and you just get that feeling in you, and you're raising your hands, and you're like, ah, oh, this is worship, man. I'm worshiping God right there. And it's like I almost have to correct them. Like, I've been to concerts where, you know, it was just rock and roll, and you feel the energy, and you, you got your hands in the air, and your lighters or your, your phones nowadays, right? It's just, it's just that kind of emotional energy. And here's the deal. It, the worship in your life is every time you make a decision, all right? I mean, we think that, I mean, this. Here's, here's the deal. I got saved like three times, you know? I go up for the altar call. I got tears pouring down my cheeks when I was a kid, right? Like, I am messed up. Fix it. Help me, right? And, and, and listen, I want to minimize that because the Bible says that angels in heaven rejoice. If you could see, you know, in spiritual realms what's going on when another sinner comes to repentance, it would blow our mind. I mean, so there's, that's an act of worship too, right? When we bend our knee towards God in repentance, asking for him to, you know, enter our heart. But I think for me, the energy that I was communicated that was set across to me was that if you do that, then God owes you something. And that's just not true. God doesn't just free people from addiction once you get saved, all right? That's, you're not, God doesn't owe us anything. We don't put God in our debt and expect him to perform. That's, that's not biblical. Some parts of the Bible would even call that witchcraft. Job, I have a friend who was a major drug addict, um, went into rehab, out of rehab, was homeless for a while, back into drugs, gave his life to Jesus, and, and finally came to this realization where God was like, if I took everything from you, and stripped you of everything material. And God said, if you were naked, would you still worship me? If you had nothing, would you still love me? And he had to finally get to the place where, yeah, I would still love you, Lord. I would still love you. I mean, that's the book of Job. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's faith. Not that God would be in your debt and owe you something. That's not Christianity even. It's sad that some pastors teach that and they twist the Bible into, into saying things it doesn't say. They take things out of context. God doesn't owe you or I anything, but he does love us. And again, sexual addiction is a worship problem. More than it's a psychological problem, it is a spiritual problem. It's rooted in the heart. 
you leave church, you drive down the road, you eat a meal, you have a, a discussion or conflict you get into, you're worshiping your creator or you're worshiping yourself. Control is one of the biggest false gods there is. And one of the biggest things about not coveting or not giving in to the, the spiritual act, this sin of covetousness, is to realize that, you know, we can let go of some of our control. Remember that verse, God will never leave you or forsake you. Thanksgiving is the opposite of covetousness. And your life every single day is an outpouring, whether you, whether you watch a film, you listen to a piece of music, how you process those things, how you process art, how you do life is a constant outgoing, outflowing act of worship. Some of you still wrestle with the fact that I'm a Christian and that I'm talking about Jesus, man. Where do you draw your strength from? If I could wake you up to get you to see that, where do you draw your strength from? Do you just add another coat of paint on the baseball like I talked about in the last episode? Just more information? Do you react with this deflecting, blame-shifting, scapegoating kind of spiritual energy? Because it is spiritual energy. It's what you do when you're hurt, when you're in pain, right? When you're confronted with your own sin and filth that comes pouring out of you instead of repentance. Yeah, well, I was raised in this home, or I have this person I'm married to, or I'm in relationship with this person, or this person did that to me. Man, get over that, all right? Work through it, face it, and and learn how to love and draw strength from the God, the only real God of the universe, the God who created the universe. All right, the God that came into his own story to love us, to redeem us. All right, without drawing in, I don't know how you do it, man. I don't know how you have the strength. I don't have the strength. I'm not varsity disciplined. I'm really not. All right, I draw my strength from Jesus Christ. Because, listen, I hear all these sermons on forgiveness and, you know, you need to forgive people. You need to lay things down. And, and that's true, right? I mean, you want to get into the breaking the bitter attitude of you better run from my bullet. I mean, you, you got to learn to forgive people. But then you start to think about conflict resolution and I don't want to be a doormat. And, and some of that is, you, you, you know, you're trying to hold on to something you need to forgive. And, and the serious thing is like, I tried, man, I've tried to forgive, you know, come on. This is not something you just boom, you just let go of it and you do it. It keeps popping up, you know, the, Frickin' defense attorney keeps popping up. And I don't I don't think you can really forgive long term until you realize the spiritual reality and truth that you are forgiven. Alright? That you are forgiven, that through the cross you're forgiven. That's real. Again, it's not religious bullshit. It's real spiritual truth, okay? We're forgiven. 
and I don't do this show to be some superficial, you know, smacky on the butt coach. Go get back out there on the field, buddy. I do this show because I have a heart to tell people about what Jesus has freed me from and how he's continuing to redeem me. It's breaking the tyranny of yeah, but they. Some of you need to just go home, look in the mirror and say, I forgive you and start there. Start there. Stop trying to be God. Forgive yourself for that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit player in God's movie. I'm an expendable henchman, right? I'm an extra. It, it's God's glory, not mine. God wants, God is doing something and he wants me to shine a little piece. I get to mirror a little piece of what God's doing. That's what we are, we're mirrors. We're all reflecting something. John Eldridge quoted an old um, early church father in his book, Waking the Dead. And he said, the glory of God is in a man who's fully alive. John Piper is a pastor in the Midwest and he has a uh, ministry called Desiring God. He says, God is most glorified in you when you're the most satisfied in him and what he's doing. Right? God is the most glorified in you when you're the most satisfied in him. And listen, it's Thanksgiving coming up, right? The opposite of covetousness is Thanksgiving. Remember that. Don't be the Pharisee. Don't count all the bullets in your back. I pray that you realize, that you see, that you wake up, that you become alive and realize that God's doing something that's bigger than you but you get to reflect a little piece of him. And that's awesome. It, it's God's story, it's not mine. I'm not the point, right? I'm not pre-title credits. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the uh, animated film as one of the, the guys who did color on the computer somewhere, you know, post-credits. Have you seen some of these animated films, by the way? I mean, you, you watch the credits and it's like a, it's like at the end of the film, the phone book is being listed. <laughs> There's that many people that work on some of these films. And it's awesome. And when it comes together, these films are beautiful, well done. The lighting, I mean, it's mind-blowing, the, the detail in some of these HD digital animated films. All of these people... Are, you know, you see them credits, all those people making something that's bigger than themselves. And that's the point. God's the point, not us. All these people that get worked up over end times, you know, the world's coming to an end and, you know, you got to vote for this guy and all the political stuff and energy people get caught up in. I read the back of the book, okay? It's not about me. God's doing something. I get to reflect a little piece of him. Jesus was never political. He never carried a picket sign or ran for office. But he did love people. And he changed hearts and minds. I love you guys.
that's my show for this week. I know I've gone long. I'm going to leave you with a song higher. What is at the highest pinnacle point in your life? What sits on the throne? Where is your heart flowing to? What's highest in your life? I love you guys. Um, You're going to exist a lot longer than this flesh and bones bag of flesh that you carry around. It's a temporary vessel. And that's the truth. And I pray that you get that. Till next time, this is Worth Dying For is the band. The album's called Love Riot. The song's called Higher. Till next week, I love you guys. ASI247.org. Check out that video by uh, Danny Shea. And um, until next week, bye. Just your name.